If you're like me, you care about getting the most from your workouts, which means wearing the finest performance gear. You know, fabric that dries quickly and has superior moisture wicking properties. Fabric so soft and comfortable, you could, well, curl up and sleep in it. Introducing Sheeks, spelled S-H-E-E-X, the world's first performance bedding line. Sheeks began when two former elite athletes and coaches had an aha moment, combining everything we love about quality performance fabric with everything we love about comfortable, irresistible bedding. Unlike traditional sheets that trap heat, sheets are breathable, so you aren't constantly waking up to throw off covers or out a blanket. So you sleep deeper, longer, and better. And sheets bedding looks as good as it feels. Colors and styles that can match any decor at a price that will pleasantly surprise you. And right now, you can try sheets for 30 nights risk-free. Just go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code twelve twelve and get forty dollars off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com promo code twelve twelve. Sleepcoolnow.com, 12-12. This is the World According to Zig podcast for June 1st, 2019. My name is John Ziegler. I'm the host of the show where you can still get the truth about the news of the day from a conservative perspective. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. Today we have significant new news regarding the HBO movie Leaving Neverland, plus more of Ask John Anything. But before we do that, June 1st is a very special day in the Ziegler family because it is the birthday of me of my daughter Grace Ziegler <laughs> and as you've already heard from her and she's been on the show before by the way but to formally introduce her Grace Ziegler welcome back to the podcast and happy birthday I'm turning 7 7 today that's a really big number Do you do you realize how significant your 7th birthday is? What does that mean? How important that is? Do you know that does 7 feel any different to I you know. than all your other birthdays? Feels a lot different cuz I like all those birthdays I I was all, I was turning young, but on this one I'm turning like older. You feel like you're older. That's what it feels like for daddy too. Like this, to me, to me this is your most significant birthday because all the other birthdays through 6, I felt like you were a little girl. And you were changing, but you were still a little girl. Now I feel like especially in the last month or two, you're a totally different person. Now you're still, you know, you still have temper tantrums and meltdowns. <laughs> But the reality you you are you're becoming a big girl. In fact, yesterday I I have, I've always told you that at 7 I'm not going to pick you up anymore unless, you know, like an emergency. And so yesterday we actually took a photo of the last time I'm going to pick you up and carry you. <laughs> do, do you and do you, real, do you realize how emotional that was for your dad? It made me sad. <laughs> Did you know that? Mm, like a tear. Well, I don't think I teared, but I mean, it was sad because You know, I've really enjoyed you being a little girl. Like when we go to the pool this summer, I'm not going to be able to do blast off. What? Oh, I can't I can't throw you up in the air anymore. Mm. I mean, I'll try, but I'll probably break my back. Excuse me. So anyway, so 7 is a big big birthday, and it's I think maybe tougher on your parents than on you. Because we've really enjoyed you being a little girl. <laughs> Now, I, well, I will say though that at six, you have probably been the worst behaved of any age that you've Excuse been. Would you? Excuse me, John Ziegler. Would you agree with that? Would you agree that at six? I you're... would never agree any less. Any less? What do you mean? You you think you've been a well behaved six year old? Yep. <laughs> I disagree. Mom said it on Christmas time. Well, you know, it's interesting. The last time you were on the show was around Christmas time, and you were here in your mind at least to promote uh your performance, your impromptu ballet performance at our local cancel. Right. You you did an impromptu ballet performance by yourself of the Nutcracker at our little uh community uh stage in the park. 
And uh, there was one one of the miscalculations that you you made, which is not really your fault, was that you were promoting it on a on a show that first of all hadn't even been released yet, and two is not local; it's it's national. So it's not as if we have a, a strong audience in our local little community here in Southern California. So when you showed up, when you showed up to do your ballet, you were really disappointed, weren't you? I just don't want you to go again. You didn't want me what? Well, but what did you do? You remember what you said when you showed up at the park and there was no one there? You were very disappointed. I think you were expecting a crowd to be there. Yeah. Although when we when we videotaped it and put it online, there were thousands of people who watched it, probably way more than have ever gone to a an event at that park. So a lot of people saw it. But I think part of the reason people saw it was because of the way that you handled the situation. So, so let's I want to play a tape of you you performing the Nutcracker uh, after your last appearance on this podcast. Do you remember this? So this is you at the Yay! end. Yay! I told you not to say anything. You... <gasps> Apparently, we're not supposed to cheer. That was Grace Ziegler performing the Nutcracker. How was it? I thought it was great. What do you think, Diana? We're canceling the rest of the concert. Okay. Sure, it's Daddy's It was Daddy's fault. So um, that line will live in infamy in the Ziegler family. It's a cancel. What was going on there, Grace? Dude, what? Explain that. I what happened? I just wanted to dance. No one liked cheering for me. I, 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 I wasn't expecting that. I didn't like it that much. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing that I cheered for you because yeah. I thought it was really good. You did a great job. I, I really appreciated the, the, uh, the bravery that it took and the imagination that it took for you to put on your own concert in the park for the Nutcracker. I thought that was great. But then you, you, you got all upset and it said it was a can. Can we go back to June? To June? What do you mean June? June, June 1st. Oh, you want to oh, go fast forward. Okay, so let's talk about your seventh birthday. So, um, what do you want to talk about, Grace? You can talk, talk say whatever you want to say into the microphone. What do you want to talk about? Okay, um, well, it's kind of exciting because I'm going to be, like, the oldest kid in my class. And, um, like, um, because I got head back because... Um, I didn't do well last year. In school? Yeah. And um, Well, you were a little young and now you're a little old. But it's pro do you think that was a good move to do it twice? Yeah. To do kindergarten twice? I By think it the way, was my grandpa would have never done that to my dad. Okay. <laughs> Not sure what that means, but I think it was a good move because you've done really well this year. Do you like school better this year? I'm making no friends. <laughs> <laughs> my my best friend Scarlett did a setup, a setup on me. A setup. A setup. Okay. Well, Scarlett's a good girl, and I'm glad that she's your friend. But I, I want to talk about you know how much you've changed in the last month or two. Something has dramatically changed with you. I'm good. Well, no, that's not it. <laughs> oh, showers. Yes. In the last month or two, you have become a completely different person, largely because you have, Star a, Wars nerd. You have a new obsession. <laughs> you have an obsession with Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, you are completely obsessed with Star Wars. <laughs> you used to be obsessed with Jack the Pumpkin King and The Nightmare Before Christmas, but this is way bigger than that. And now... now 70s. Right. So tell me how and why you've become obsessed with Star Wars. Two words. Mom gave me a Ray outfit. You got a Ray outfit. She's a character in the Star Wars movies. And you, why do you like Ray so much? Because she's fierce. Because yeah. she's fierce. All right. Uh, and you look good in the Ray costume. I'll give you that. But but why? <laughs> but that doesn't mean you have to become totally and completely obsessed with Star Dad, Wars. I mean, you eat, I put sleep, it and. In my it's official. It's official because you said Star Wars is your favorite movie in your memory book. Is that right? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, but tell me why you love Star Wars so much. I don't understand. I don't it. know. Maybe Leia or Han Solo. I don't know. Maybe the. Look, the dum dum. Luke Skywalker. He's the dum dum. Yeah. Why do you call Luke Skywalker the dum dum? Because. He does seem kind of moronic at times, doesn't he? But why do you call him a dum dum? Um, because my dad. Because of me. Because I started making fun of all the dumb things that he did, right? Yeah. Now, now, look, I think it's fine that you like Star Wars, but do you do you see uh, that kind of a lot of the movie is a lot of the movies are silly and they don't really make a lot of sense? Do you agree with that or not? No. Talking to the microphone, Grace. No. Okay. Why don't you think they're silly? Because they're awesome. They're awesome. Uh, let me expl- let me let me understand this. I know, so you're really big into the force now, right? Do you believe I've in the force? Been for seven years. Do you do you believe in the force, Grace? Mm-hmm. Do you think there is a force? Mm-hmm. You do believe there's a force. Lots of people, and like in the seventies, thought Tiger Woods was using the force. <laughs> you <laughs> you you've taken something that I've said, and you've you've completely discombobulated it <laughs> it's the, i don't think it was the 70s but i uh i do agree that when tiger woods was in his prime there were probably people people who were thinking wow he is in tune with the force because it seemed like he was doing magical things but that doesn't mean that i really believe in the force but you believe in the force like when you get really ticked off and start having meltdowns and getting bratty do you start don't don't you dare say it ever again. Don't say whatever again. Use the force, Grace. Yes, that's my new line. That's my new line. Don't when, say it again. That's my new line when you start getting frustrated. Is use the force, Grace. Use the force. Okay, but if the force is so powerful, tell me this, Grace. If get come on, sit up, get to the microphone. If the force is so powerful. And Luke and Leia are in tune with the Force, and uh, and Darth Vader is in tune with the Force. Then why is it that Darth Vader and Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker all get together in Part Number Four, which was the first one that, that ever became a movie, and none of them uh, mention to each other that they're related? Luke and Leia don't realize that they're twins. They don't realize that Darth Vader is their dad. How can that possibly be if they're in tune with the Force? Because when they are babies, they got separated. And, like, Darth Vader is, like, so into the bad guy now with the Force. But, like, he doesn't really want to, um, like, uh... It sounds like a rationalization. Yeah. It sounds like you're coming up with an explanation for something that doesn't make a lot of sense. That- well, he, like... He doesn't want to tell them because then, well, well, well. It's okay. They, they want to, like, join like, the dark side or something, but that you can't just, be you weird. D- it doesn't matter to you because you like the movies, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, but does this mean that, that there's no more Jack the Pumpkin King, no more, no. Bar- no more Barbies, no more princesses? What? So you still love Jack. You still love Barbies. I still love princesses. You still love princesses. It just seems like Star Wars is... Of course, because Princess Leia, duh. Oh, so you're combining your love of princesses with your love of Star Wars. It just seems like Star Wars has taken over your life. That's what it feels like, Grace. All right, so um, let's talk about some other things real quick here. Okay. So um, you're, you're rather famous on... By the way, you know that you're famous, right, on this show? What the heck? My dream. Now, you've told me that you're more famouser than me, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Which is probably true because you, you actually are very famous with a lot of people. People, people love you. When we, when we post things about you, you, you have a lot of fans. And one of the things you're very well known for is this old statement that you made back on the radio show. Remember this? What am I going to play? Um, no, that's a different. That's a different statement. How about this one? Hillary is gonna is Trump a bad guy or a good guy? Do you remember saying this? Is Trump a bad guy or a good guy? 
Do you remember that? Yeah, he's a bad guy. He uh, did not build the wall for the last time. So Trump's a bad guy because he didn't build the wall? <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. So you think Trump's now a bad yeah, guy? Can I tell you something? Please do. Um, did you know my friends also make me famous because they watched my show? What show are you talking about? Gracie's website. Oh, you're talking about the, the ballet? Yes, the ballet, because we posted it on Twitter and Facebook and whatever. People saw it. Yes, that made you famous. But what about Trump? So it, I, want a, I want a definitive answer here, Grace. Is Trump a bad guy or a good guy? Bad guy, bad guy. And why is he a bad guy? The wall. Just because of the wall. Not because he lies? See, I think Trump's a he bad lies. guy. Is lying good or bad? Bad. All right. Sit up and, and speak into the microphone. We're almost done here. You're doing great. I want to ask you about a few more things. So, you've got a two-year-old daughter, a daughter, a two-year-old sister, Diana, my daughter, who just turned two. Oh <laughs> and when she was first born, you were literally plotting her death. You, you literally, <laughs> at the playground, asked me how long she was, and then you tried to figure out whether or not you had enough space to bury her in the sand. This was just after she was born. Now, you guys seem like best friends. Yeah. Uh, tell me about Diana and how you feel about her. So good. Today, uh, yesterday, she gave me all of her birthday presents. Yeah, I don't think that happened. It did. Diana's very possessive of her things and her and her toys. So I don't think that really happened. But tell no, me. No, she gave me my presents like early. Oh, oh yes, yeah. she helped give you your presents. Yes, she's very good about giving you what's yours, but she keeps what's hers. Now, tell, tell people what Diana's like. What do you like about Diana? That she does whatever I say. <laughs> She's kind of like your mini-me, right? Yeah. Yes, uh, she is, but she also is her own person. How do you think she's going to turn out? What do you think she's going to be like? Uh, homeless person. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why would you say that about your sister? <laughs> say something nice about your sister. <laughs> Say something nice She's about the best girl in the world. Now, you guys are getting along fantastically right now, and it makes me very, very happy. I like that you're being a good big sister, and I like that she loves you as a little sister, but look out. She's becoming maybe cuter than you. And John Ziegler. She might end up cuter than you, and she might even be a little smarter than you. I don't know yet. John Ziegler. What do you think about that possibility? Are you worried? And are you worried? Oh. Are you worried? Oh. Are you worried about Diana or not? Are you jealous of Diana at all? When, on her birthday. Yeah, you were very jealous on her birthday. She got her own easy bike. Okay. Yeah, well, you didn't you're way too old for that. She but she got a skateboard. But you guys are getting along great right now and I really think that's awesome. Tell me about your mom. You love your mom more than anything in the world. Tell me about her. Don't whisper to me. Talk into the microphone. Talk. Tell me about your mom. Um, well, um, she's like the best girl in the world. And if she died, I would want to kill myself so I can meet her again. Wow. I don't know if that's the scariest or the nicest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> why, why, is, why are you immediately worried about what happens when mom dies and you would kill yourself so you can meet her again? That's, that's pretty dark stuff there, Grace. Why, why don't you tell me something nice about your mom? Why do you love her so much? Because she makes me good food and she always celebrates my birthday and gets me exactly what I want. That seems more like a servant than a mom. That doesn't really, come on, you love her for more than that. Why, you love her a lot more than your dad, right? I don't really know what to say. She gives me hugs at night and she reads me books. Right. Star Wars books, of course. Right, now it's all Star Wars all the time. But you love, tell me this, why do you love mom more than dad? Because for some reason I, because for some reason I feel connected to her because like um like i was in her body and like i wasn't in dad so yeah. so you think that that bonding connection you have with mom is the reason that you love mom more than dad yeah well what do you think of your dad I think that he's great yeah 
but just not as great as mom. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, is perfectly fine, and I approve of that. I think that you should always feel that way. You're, you should always feel more strongly about your mom than your dad. Do you understand that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, all right, a couple quick things here. So you, you, you've already talked a little bit about school. How do you feel about school now going forward? Are you think you're going to be good in school? Do you like school? Do you hate school? Where, where hate are we on school? school? You hate school. Why? I don't get to see mom or watch TV. It's just all boring. So because you're not seeing mom or watching TV, it's all, it's all boring. It's all terrible. I think you're going to be pretty good at school, especially in certain things. You have a very good imagination. You know that, right? Are you aware of that? Mm-hmm. Why do you think you have such a good imagination? Because um, I'm creative and artistic. You are creative and artistic. But, you know, when it comes to ballet, it's a cancel. <laughs> You can't mess with that kind of art. You cannot mess with an artiste and, t- and applaud them at the wrong time. Otherwise, it's a cancel. What do you think you want to be at this point when you grow up? What, what kind an of... Astronaut. An astronaut. Like guys like Jabba the Hutt or Darth Vader or Stormtroopers. You realize that none of that's real, right? I know. I just... Maybe I'll see something like that, like an alien. So you want to be an astronaut to go find aliens? Yeah. I can assure you there are no aliens. Um, mom says they're real. Yeah, because you know, mom is mom has a little different view of things than dad. But uh, I, there me. are no aliens. Trust me on this. They one. are but, aliens. No. They are aliens. No. So anything else other than an astronaut? Is it, what else might you be other than an astronaut? Famous prima ballerina, famouser than the famous one that's already here. Okay. Um, what about when you? I, I know you've you've said you wanted to be a singer at times. You've sang. You sang. I'm in the deep end. What is that? Keep going. I'm trying Tell me this. On my birthday, I had one wish. And that was for you to sing a song from Phantom of the Opera that you like on I, tape. I, I was too nervous. And you okay, wouldn't do was, it. Was, you would not do I it. I was too nervous. Can you try it right now? Sing me fondly when we say goodbye. Remember me once in a while. Please promise me you'll try. He never said our love was evergreen. Very nice, Grace. Good job. That was with no preparation. That was really good. See how easy that was? There was nothing to be nervous about. That was really good. Let me ask you this. One of the things that always scares me, Grace, about you turning seven is I'm afraid that you're not going to remember some of the great memories that we had or rememories as you refer to them when you were a little, little girl. Do you remember the song that we used to sing when I would walk you to to your nursery school? It's my, she's my Gracie girl. She's my best girl. She's the girl. <laughs> That's like the girl that I love so much. <laughs> except when she's crying, except when she's pouting, except when she's being a brat. Even then, I still love her. Because she's my greasy girl. She's my best girl. The girl that I love so, so much. much. That's pretty good. You remembered most of it. See, that that's why the scene in the movie Inside Out with Bing Bong dying makes me so sad. Because eventually you're going to forget about all that. And, and you know what? Even Daddy's probably going to forget about it because Daddy's getting old. <laughs> so that makes me sad. But on the other hand, I'm happy that you're growing up and you're becoming such a great girl, and I look forward to all the great things you're going to do. So it's exciting. It's sad and exciting that you're turning seven. Do you see that for for your dad? Yeah, but mostly I see happiness. Good. That's good. All right, last thing. My greatest wish for you is for you to understand how great your life is. Do you understand how great your life is? Do you understand? I do. I do. Do Do you really understand how great your life is? I do. What, tell me why your life is so great. What's so great about your life? Um, that I get great toys and I get great food and um, I have a really good mommy and sister and daddy and cousins and uncle and grandparents and 
say have a good life. There you go. Well, I'm glad that you at least know that and acknowledge it. Sometimes I think you might be a little spoiled. I worry about your being spoiled. Should I be concerned about that? No. Yeah, I think you should. I should be. I, I think I, I think that you're a little bit spoiled. If you appreciate it, I don't mind it. But sometimes I do think you might be a little bit spoiled. But the fact that you just acknowledge what a great life you have, I think that's great. So, uh, Grace, you did a really nice job in this interview. Anything else you want to say to the audience? It's a cancel. <laughs> it's a cancel. All right. That's Grace Ziegler celebrating her seventh birthday with... Uh, her latest and maybe who knows her last appearance on the podcast thank you so much grace bye we really appreciate it thanks again to my uh, daughter uh, grace sigler and uh, much appreciated uh, her time that went uh, probably a little bit better than i expected (laughs) With a seven-year-old, you never know exactly how it's going to go. But uh, at least for her dad, the uh, the seventh birthday definitely is a double-edged sword. Uh, a lot of happiness and sadness as well as she grows up into a, a much bigger girl than she used to be. But it's always been fun to have her on the show and the, the old radio show and on the podcast. Uh, so many interesting moments. And uh, who knows? I, I hope she doesn't go into talk radio, that's for sure. But maybe some sort of a, a career in entertainment is definitely in her future because she, she definitely has that bug in her. I am the leader. Do as I say. And it's also good to hear that uh, you know she still thinks that Trump is a bad guy. That's, that, that gives me hope about uh, her, her judgment. Now, other things I wanted to get to in this edition of the World According to Zig podcast. By the way, uh, for all the latest Trump news, make sure you check out the Individual One podcast. You can find the link there either at my Twitter page or at our website, which is freespeechbroadcasting.com. In a moment, I want to continue with the questions that I did not get to in our last episode of the um, uh, our Ask John Anything segment, because there are several questions that I thought were worthy of responses that I didn't have time for. But since we've been continuing to update things on the Never Leaving Neverland saga, I wanted to start off there because there have been a couple of interesting developments, one of which was that this week... And this really shocked me. I still have no idea how this happened. But somehow, the hashtag, I knew leaving Neverland was BS, ended up trending worldwide, at times number one in the United States and elsewhere. Again, I don't, usually that only happens if a major celebrity tweets out a hashtag. But there are just so many people who are interested in this subject and who are Michael Jackson fans and who believe the, the HBO movie was exceedingly unfair that uh, that this was able to carry its own trend organically. And that was really gratifying and quite surprising, I think an indication of just how much people care about this subject as well as uh, how little damage the, the movie has actually done and how many people have been able to see through what a farce the whole thing is. And hopefully we've been a part of that process in our coverage of the movie, again, for those who have missed it. I'm no fan of Michael Jackson, but we've done several key interviews about the the Leaving Neverland farce, exposing, I believe, it for what it really is. And we're efforting another interview. I don't know if this is going to happen or not. I don't, I don't make promises I can't keep. But there's a guy by the name of Kevin Lipsy who worked on the film. Now, he wasn't working directly on the film. He was hired by the film as one of the musicians at an event that was created by the director, Dan Reed, for Wade Robson, one of the two key accusers of Michael Jackson in Leaving Neverland, where basically what happened was that Robson was supposed to uh, teach a bunch of kids dance, and they needed, uh, at least Dan Reed decided, that they needed some, uh, some musicians there to accompany Wade Robson. And this was done in Atlanta, Georgia. And Kevin Lipsy got quite a bit of an attention among the Michael Jackson fans a couple weeks ago because he posted on Facebook some video of that event where he and some other musicians were, were hired to, to basically participate in a, a scene shot for the quote-unquote documentary. And he made some statements indicating that Wade Robson had told him a very different story than what uh, he ended up hearing in the movie. And so I spoke with Kevin Lipsy uh, yesterday, 
And he's not yet ready to do an interview, partially because he's on vacation, partially because I'm hoping that he can get one of the other musicians to at least confirm what uh, his impression of what happened was. And he says that would not be a problem. But his basic story is, and I don't want to get into too many details because, again, I'm hoping to do an, a formal interview with him. But his, his basic story is quite extraordinary. His basic story is this. He and a bunch of other musicians got hired by either Dan Reed directly or indirectly to help with the this scene in the film, which, by the way, is weird right off the bat because that's not really how a, a, a documentary of a journalistic endeavor should be done because it's very clear, just even from the short video clips that Lipsy posted, that Dan Reed and Wade Robson are basically on the same team working on a what looks like a fictional film. And that's really the way that Lipsy describes the whole thing. I mean, his short version of his story, and there's lots of details that hopefully one day we'll get into, but his short version of the story is he and a bunch of musicians have no idea why they're being hired, what this project is about. They show up to perform music for Wade Robson. Dan Reed and Robson are basically 100% on the same team creating this scene for a movie. While they're setting up, Lipsy has conversations with Wade Robson about Michael Jackson. Robson, who now is claiming he was sexually abused by Michael Jackson for seven years, says to Lipsy nothing but positive, tremendous, great things about Michael Jackson. That Michael Jackson was his hero, that he made him who he is today, which is the real world. That's the real story. And so Wade Robson is basically exposing... Uh, that this whole thing is alive, I think partially because it's not overtly known or or talked about at the event that this is for a documentary about sex abuse involving Michael Jackson. So Rob, Robson, in my view, based upon Lipsy's story, can feel comfortable telling the real truth because he's not even aware that the musicians are even going to know what the what the purpose of them being there is or what this movie's about. And then something interesting happens. Once the, the light goes on, if you will, once the light goes on and they start shooting scenes for the movie, much like exactly like a fictional feature film, which I believe is the way Dan Reed approached this whole thing. All of a sudden they get a very different view of Wade Robson. And he starts talking in what Lipsy refers to as code, about uh, you know implying that he was a victim of uh, some sort of abuse by Michael Jackson. And Lipsy and the rest of these musicians, all, almost all of whom, by the way, are Michael Jackson fans, which is an interesting part of this equation because Lipsy and these other guys who are, who are these musicians in Atlanta, they're almost all black guys, middle-aged black guys who are musicians. Of course they're going to be Michael Jackson fans but they don't even know why they're being hired. And so they start to look at each other like, what the hell's going on here? And they start to realize, well, wait a minute. This, we're, being, we're involved in, in a scam here. These are my words, not Lipsy's, but that's the impression that I got is we're being used here to create this fictional scene in a movie where this guy's obviously just out for money. And again, I don't want to get into too many of the details I'm not 100% sure Lipsy's going to do an interview with me. He claims very credibly that uh, this was universally believed. His opinion was universally shared by the other musicians and uh, and that he will be able to corroborate this with other people who were there. But this will be the first time that we have someone who was involved in the production of the film who's willing to say, wait a minute, this, come on, people. Come on. It's just flat out ridiculous. This whole, that was Lipsy's basic takeaway. That the whole thing is just flat out ridiculous. And that uh, therefore uh, should not be taken uh, seriously. So I don't know, again, I, I don't like making promises I can't keep, but uh, Lipsy says he, he will consider doing an interview and, and hopes to get corroboration from some of the other, uh, at least one of the other musicians who was there that day working on this uh, farcical film, Leaving Neverland. All right, I want to answer a few of the uh, remaining questions from uh, Ask John Anything from a couple weeks ago that I did not get a chance to get to as of yet. Uh, we have someone who asked, and a lot of questions were about Leaving Neverland. Has your appointment with the Jackson estate gone through? And if so, how did it go? 
it was supposed to happen yesterday on Friday after already having been postponed once. One of the lawyers had a a, a, a friend or I guess the mother of a friend who passed away. So they had, a, a, had to go to a funeral tomorrow. So now that has been bumped back. Our lunch has been bumped back to next week. Uh, so hopefully by the next time I speak to you on this podcast, that appointment will have actually uh, occurred and I'll be able to give you more details on why they want to meet with me and what, if anything, comes of it. Uh, let's see. A woman by the name of uh, Leah May asks me, have you ever turned down money to spread fake news in the media? Genuinely curious since it can now be proven how often people take part in these sketchy dealings. Um, not directly. But I mean, clearly, there, there's that's really kind of why the media works now. I mean, if I was willing to do how you might refer to as fake news, I would be first of all making a lot more money, uh, have a lot more opportunities, uh, especially in the conservative media, because the conservative media, as much as the, it decries fake news, is largely all about creating fake news in this day and age. And I'm not willing to do that. So it really cuts off your opportunity. So it's kind of the opposite where I'm not in that business. I'm a truth guy. And so therefore inherently that's not going to come my way. So I guess indirectly the answer uh, would be yes. Uh, Tom asks if Justin Amash, he's the Republican congressman from Michigan who has come out in favor of Donald Trump's impeachment. If he runs as a libertarian in 2020, could he win Michigan and possibly win enough votes in Wisconsin or Minnesota to block Trump? I don't think he's going to run as a libertarian in 2020. I could be wrong about that. I mean, he's clearly a wild card. It really, um, you know, clearly Michigan, since that's where he's from, if he were to do that, he could toss the state to the Democrat. Uh, the Democrat would already be somewhat favored there in Michigan because it was a fluke that Trump won there in 2016. So it could be a factor. Uh, I don't know if it would be decisive, but you would think that it would be Republican votes. Although, on the other hand, the, the dynamics are so screwed up now that as uh, even though he's a Republican, he might not really be taking votes away from Trump because they would be mostly never Trump Republicans anyway, who either wouldn't vote for for Trump and are just trying to decide whether or not they would vote for his opponent or not. And it doesn't really matter if you don't vote for Trump, whether you vote for the opponent, depending on the dynamic. So the short answer is I don't know. Uh, it would be interesting to see. It certainly wouldn't help Trump. And I am a big fan of Justin Amash for his bravery that he has, has uh, shown in his impeachment stance on Donald Trump. Uh, another question from Violet. Journalism is dead. Do you see any way it can be revived in the near future? I want to believe things have gotten so bad the pendulum will swing in the other direction. But how? What can we do? I share your pessimism, Violet. Journalism is dead. This is a theme of so much of what I do and write and in my podcasts. But the, the reality is I don't know how it reverses itself because the core problem, it's not that there's no journalism. There is still some good journalism going on. It's just that the good journalism doesn't dominate because we're now living in a world that what gets repeated is what matters, not what gets reported. And what gets repeated is what's popular. And it's and what po what is popular is often not true. The truth is usually not that popular. And so for a, a truth to win the day, it has to be widely disseminated. And that's very, very difficult, which is why a lot of media have basically become uh, effectively cults. Fox News Channel is a cult. They give the, their audience the truth that that audience wants because they'll view it as popular. MSNBC does the same thing. CNN is suffering because they don't really have a cult. They tried, at least in theory, to be middle of the road. And, and you know, they're, they're, that just doesn't work in this day and age from an economic standpoint. So the problem is that the economic model, which is broken, is completely in contradiction with the idea of truth winning the day. And journalism is supposed to be about the truth. So I don't see how that changes unless the economics fundamentally and dramatically uh, get changed, which is certainly possible. But I don't see how that happens, at least in the short run. Uh, what do your friends and family think of leaving Neverland? Have you educated them any still believe it? I, I think I've mentioned before that my wife believed leaving Neverland for quite a while, even though she's usually a skeptic on these types of things. And uh, I did finally convince her. 
It took quite a while, took quite a bit of effort, but yes, uh, I have been able to do that. I don't have that many other friends uh, or family, but uh, the ones that I do, I, I don't know of anybody who actually believes leaving Neverland, partially because those people that I'm still friends with uh, have a great deal of trust in my judgment and then know if I'm going to go out on a limb on something that there's a reason for it and that I'm almost always 100% right. So that's not usually that big of a problem, except with my wife. My wife is always going to be the last because she doesn't have that much respect for me. Uh, I say somewhat facetiously, but finally I was able to convince her. Uh, Chris asks, what's your favorite movie of all time? Uh, I would say that um, my favorite movie of all time is probably Dr. Strangelove, the movie about uh, the bomb from, I guess, what it was, the, uh, the 1960s. Uh, it's hilarious and also politically incredibly prescient. And uh, so any movie that uh, makes an important point in a humorous way uh, I have uh, a special affinity for. So I would say Dr. Strangelove. I also like uh, Goodwill Hunting. And I mentioned in the interview with Grace, I really loved the movie Inside Out, the, um, the animated movie that came out a couple of years ago uh, that was basically a kid's movie. But most recently, I would say, as, as, as pathetic as it is, kids' movies, and it's not just because I have two kids, kids' movies actually have a better chance of having a good plot now than adult movies because the, the model there is not as broken as it is for adult movies. So uh, those would be the movies that first come to my mind when uh, asked that particular question. Uh, who do you think uh, that Joe Biden will pick as his vice presidential nominee, especially assuming that he um, wins the nomination? Um, I, I have no idea. I don't know for sure he's going to win the nomination. You know, to me, I think that a Biden uh, judge, Pete Buttigieg, the mayor of, of South Bend, uh, who's getting a lot of media play, that a Biden Buttigieg ticket would be really interesting. Uh, I think that Buttigieg would slice and dice uh, Pence in the vice presidential uh, debate, largely because he happens to be gay, and this would uh, put Pence in a very, very difficult position. I think uh, Buttigieg would be a, a, a good vice presidential nominee as a young guy who's uh, willing to, to go to battle. I don't know, though, that the idea that two white males being on the Democratic ticket is possible in this day and age. Now, whether Buttigieg being gay gives him a pass on that, I don't know. But the, the two white male thing seems difficult to, to comprehend given the state of the Democratic Party, but I guess uh, that's possible. But if, if I was in charge, which obviously I'm not, uh, I'm not even a Democrat, uh, I would probably say that that would be the first ticket I would look at is uh, Biden versus Buttigieg. Uh, another uh, question regarding leaving Neverland. The, I, this is a very long question from Nicole about Jim Clemente, who has been a, uh, a big proponent of the idea that Michael Jackson is a, a pedophile. Uh, he's a former FBI uh, investigator, I guess you'd call him. Uh, should Michael Jackson fans really be worried about Clemente? The short answer is no. Uh, he's a fraud. I know him well. I dealt with him extensively in the Penn State uh, Jerry Sandusky case. I, one of my biggest mistakes in that whole case was trusting him and believing him to be credible. I have learned uh, through and through he is not credible. He is not an honest person. I've met with him. I've had lunch with him. He's even lied about meeting with me. He's lied about We spent hours on the phone. He's just a flat-out liar, a fraud, a fake, a phony. He's not bright. He's been wrong about literally every major case I have ever had knowledge of him um, of voicing an opinion on, including Michael Jackson. In fact, one of the reasons I'm very confident Michael Jackson is innocent is because Jim Clemente thinks he's guilty. And I could tell you all sorts of stories about Jim Clemente, but the bottom line is he's a fake, a fraud, a phony, and it's, it's pathetic that he's given any media credibility. Just the, the last big thing he did on CBS was this ridiculous special where he claimed that the brother of John JonBenet Ramsey killed his sister, which wasn't even possible logically or within the evidence. And that was on CBS. CBS got sued by uh, the brother of John JonBenet Ramsey. I know the lawyer, uh, Lynn Wood, who took that case. And CBS settled, effectively admitting guilt. And it was all because of Jim Clemente. So don't worry about Jim Clemente. Um, let's see. Uh, if you were in charge of a media company, say the Blaze, for example, how would you run it? Would you still have your dead man walking mentality? How long do you think it would survive? That's from Zach. Uh, that's a great question. Never going to happen. Uh, and it's a really good question because there's a big difference between 
in theory what you would do and then when you know faced with reality uh, are you willing to actually take the chances that are going to cost people their jobs and that's why i have been very sympathetic maybe too sympathetic of glenn beck who who owns the blaze uh glenn beck i considered him a, a friend he's gone from being never trump to now being basically a trump sycophant it's pathetic it's sad it's it's depressing um but i've not been as critical of him because he's in a unique position uh, he, he had a lot of people uh, in his employ who lost their jobs and a lot of other people who could lose their jobs because of his stance against donald trump which is just not viable within the conservative media there's no audience for that and so um you know to me if it's just me i have no problem taking the bullets uh, taking the losses uh, being uh, in a situation where I can't make a, a living uh, because of uh, I'm seen as toxic or I, I'm somehow uh, persona non grata. That, if it's just me, that's okay. But when it's other people, then that changes the equation. So I would be very uncomfortable in that situation. So, you know, and that's the, that's the fundamental problem here. Media companies are businesses, and that's all they are now. They're just businesses. They're not journalistic entities. They're not vehicles for telling the truth. They're just businesses. And the conservative media is a business that pretends to be a cause. That's all it is. And some of the, one, the entities that claim to be most about the cause are actually the biggest scams. They're the ones that are really all just about the business. And the, the, the reason why they're wrapping themselves in the cause is because that's their business model. They're fooling people. They're conning people, which it's not surprising that the conservative movement is now led by a con man named Donald Trump. So I don't have an answer for that. I, I mean, it would depend on the situation, the circumstances, but for better or for worse, that's never going to happen. Uh, let's see. Um, do you still keep, Andre wants to know, do you still keep in touch with the Sandusky's? And has there been any new, new developments in Jerry Sandusky's appeal? Uh, not regularly. I mean, if I need uh, something, I can certainly still contact uh, Dottie Sandusky, his wife. I, I have an email with Jerry uh, in prison for quite a while. I try not to because I know I'm just going to depress him. Occasionally, I'll uh, give him um, some piece of advice on the state of, of his appeal, which is I've always been saying to him and everyone who will listen is that he has no chance in the state court. Currently, his, uh, his sentence has been vacated, and he's waiting to be resentenced. I'm not optimistic about that. Neither is even his attorney, Al Lindsay, who we've had on this podcast uh, not too long ago. Uh, they're appealing that to the S Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, his, whether or not he can get a, a new trial. I'm not optimistic about that because in the state of Pennsylvania, the entire state apparatus is totally invested, I mean completely, 100% in his guilt. And those judges are all elected. So it's not until and unless this gets into a federal court where people might go, what the hell was this? And trust me, any objective federal court would be horrified by what happened with the Jerry Sandusky case. Even if he was guilty, which he's not, uh, they would be horrified by the lack of due process in that whole situation. And anyone who's ever looked at it 100% agrees with it. Uh, but I'm just stupid enough to be the one who looked into it more deeply than anyone else and had the guts to say, wait a minute, the emperor on this case has no clothes. Jerry Sandusky, believe it or not, is innocent, and it's not even close. Uh, but I don't even have, you know, I have no affinity for the Sandusky's. Uh, I, I basically have no affinity for anyone in that entire case. I, I hate almost everybody because after uh, seven or eight years of battling this, uh, everyone screwed me at some point, and I have a very long memory. And so, in fact, uh, you know, ironically enough, the person I have the least disdain for in the entire uh, Jerry Sandusky, Joe Paterno, Penn State fiasco is probably Jerry Sandusky. That tells you how upside down the whole world is. Jerry is a buffoon. He's a, he's a doofus, but he's a good good person, and he's going to die in prison on all likelihood for something he did not do. Uh, perceived as the most hated man in America, when actually he's probably one of the best people in America, and he just got totally screwed for it. Uh, last question: Malcolm asks, "What's the best and worst case scenario for the conservative movement uh, going forward in five to ten years? Give us some hope." Uh, I wish I could give you some hope for the conservative movement. The um, the best case scenario uh, would be, uh, let's see, Trump loses re-election. I mean, look, the best case scenario would be Trump is removed from office by a Republican uh, Senate, but that's not going to happen. So the most realistic uh, uh, best case scenario is Trump loses re-election by a solid majority. So it's clear he's repudiated, but somehow the Republican 
uh, party maintains control of the Senate, that's theoretically possible, uh, doesn't uh, you know, take over the House, um, but at least maintains within striking distance of taking over the House. Joe Biden is the, the new president. He only serves four years, is basically powerless with the Republican Senate, and we can regroup and refight again in 2024. Uh, with hopefully the the Trump portions of this, and they're never going to be eradicated completely, at least not in the short run, but at least the, we can somehow emerge from the ashes uh, of the, the Trump presidency. I don't believe that's what's going to happen, but that is the best case scenario that I see. The worst case scenario is that um, Trump either loses a, a close election or wins re-election or there's a total and complete wipeout where Democrats take over everything and the Republicans are completely crippled. Uh, I mean, there's all sorts of worst case scenarios. It's just a matter of whether or not you're looking at this in the long run or the short run. And uh, I'm a, usually a longer term guy. I mean, that's why I've always been against Trump. In the short run, yeah, there might be some good things that happen to the conservative movement about regarding Trump. Not that many good judges, tax cuts that they weren't paid for, uh, and that's about it as far as I can give Trump credit for. No, we haven't been attacked, and uh, you know, ISIS appears to be being defeated. But that's, I don't know whether that would be happening if Trump wasn't president. But the reality is you know, there are very few things I'm positive of that occurred because of Trump, some of which are good, but in the long run, they're not going to be worth the price we're going to pay. And that's always been my number one concern about the Trump presidency. I feel more strongly about that today than I ever have before. Uh, so I wish I could give you some uh, more hope than that. Um, but uh, since I'm a truth guy, I can't. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of the World According to Zig podcast. As is always the case, I ask only two things of you. Please make sure you share this via social media, Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, what have you. And number two, if you're one of those people who sleeps and when you sleep, you use sheets, please pay attention to this important message. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. Coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Ugh, like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed, ever. These sheets are mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. <laughs> performance bedding? <laughs> yeah, they're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh, no wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. <laughs> well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like, mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should... Oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212.